I'm Dr. Greg Winteregg, CEO of the Private Dentist Alliance. I want to talk to all of you students out there today who are wondering what your future is going to be like as a career in dentistry, as an assistant, as a hygienist, as a dentist, where is this profession going with the rapid increase of the DSO movement? I'm here to tell you the PDA is going to help you and I want you to become a member today. It is free. Now, why should you become a member? You're gonna get weekly video updates from me and you're gonna get regular updates of our newsletters from the Alliance on exactly what is happening and how we are going to help preserve and protect the private practice of dentistry. Now to me, the most important advantage is you are going to get access to our job board. What is that? Our private practicing members all have access to our PDA job board, which means if they have an opening in their private practice of assistant, hygienist, doctor, front office staff, they're going to be able to post it. And you're gonna be able to check up regularly. And as our membership grows, we're gonna be covering larger and larger territories across the United States. If you are looking for a job in any position in the office of a private practice, you need to become a student member today. It is free. Go to www.privatedental.org and become a student member today. You're gonna to love your benefits. Do it now. What is up, Vibe Tribe? This is your boy, Matt Havis, back at it with the Dental Student Vibes podcast, and I'm sitting here today to deliver to you the second episode of Dr. Ken Serka's interview, where we discuss all information about practice management, practice culture, everything you need to be successful as a practice owner. So, as always, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you guys use for your podcast platform, and as well, follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. And make sure you give us any questions, comments, concerns. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, bye bon. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Student Vibes podcast. I'm Seth Kalish. I'm here with Matt and Cole. And today we have Ken Serka with us again, and he is just dropping bombs on us. So Dr. Serka, how are you today? Hey, I'm good. How's it going? All right. So Dr. Serka has owned and operated his own dental practice in Philly for the past 20 years and his gentle demeanor in the office is translated into strong loyalty with both patients and staff. Before embarking on his professional career, he was born and raised in a small town near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. After being accepted to the University of Penn Dental School, he moved to Philly where he has spent the past 21 years. He enjoys learning new dental techniques and has traveled to Germany, Africa, and throughout the United States to further his education. So last week we spoke with Dr. Serka about spreading positivity during the COVID-19 crisis. And Dr. Serka gave us such great information. And Dr. Serka, you, you have a bunch of little sayings. What was, uh, what was the one that you just recently told us um, about? You're only as alive as your communication. Yeah, that yeah. was it. Love that. That was awesome. I'm going to get that tattooed on my arm. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah. So Dr. Serka, today we're going to go over, uh, you had a list that you presented uh, when Cole went to a, a, the Private Dental Alliance and you gave a great presentation. Cole raves about it. So Dr. Serka, what was that uh, presentation that you gave? Yeah, it was uh, really 10 uh, points that successful dental offices never really share with other dentists. And there are some things that I've been able to implement over the years to grow my practice to be the largest in Philadelphia. 
So as the largest dental practice in Philadelphia, there's a lot of things we did wrong in the beginning, and there's a lot of things we do right. So I'm trying to share those things that we've done right with everyone so they know exactly what you can implement and grow your practice. Right. So I think a big one, so we talked about, so the 10, 10 keys, 10 little secrets that nobody wants to know about. So that first one I was feverishly writing down, you, you talk, touched on reviews and having patients wait no longer than about 10 minutes. That's correct. Yes, you have to have a lot of control and you have to know exactly what you're doing in the office. So our patients that are coming in to see us, they're never waiting more than 10 minutes to be seen. So they're coming in, we're greeting them by name, we're bringing them right back into the operatory. And then as we're getting them through their um, procedures, we make sure that we're getting the patient out on time because the predictability in the dental office allows you to be way more productive than if you're hit with all kinds of uncertainty throughout the day. One thing that we do is in the morning meeting, we actually identify where we're seeing emergency patients throughout the day and we schedule time for emergency patients. So therefore someone's not walking in your office and then they're throwing your whole schedule off. So that would be one thing. So do you have, um, like, how do you do your scheduling? Do you have it like specifically blocked for production and how do you do that? Yep, good question. Um, one of my secrets that we haven't talked about is I always do two thirds of the production in the morning and one third of the production in the afternoon. The two most important slots that you have to keep in your dental office are the, the first slot of the day, for us it's eight o'clock, and the first slot after lunch, which is two o'clock. Those two slots are your most important because you know that you'll never be on you'll never be running late and you'll always be on time. And secondly, is that's when you tend to be the freshest. So for us, I only schedule big cases at 11 a.m. and two o'clock every day. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, that's, that's good to know. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so the second thing, I think it's a great thing to touch on, and we touched on it a little bit in our last episode, and it was about creating your vision and expressing it in a way that your staff in yourself and everyone included in your practice knows that vision. Yes, um, the vision is the most basic and the most important thing that you have to do. When you're starting your practice out, you need to know exactly where you wanna practice, how many hours a day do you wanna practice, how much income you wanna practice, you wanna make from the practice. And so there's a way that you can actually sit down and say, do I wanna have an insurance-based practice where I'm seeing a lot of patients or do I wanna have a slower pace where I'm communicating more to patients? And what's interesting, patients will identify or they think the quality of care is actually based on how well the dentist is communicating with the patient. It's not based on the clinical skill. So if you're a good communicator, your patients are going to listen to you, they're gonna believe in you, and they're really going to buy more services or get more work done that you're recommending. Right. So it's extremely important to have that vision and, and tell staff, hey, guys, I want us to have a very open type communication with our patients where every night I want everyone to sit down and write letters to our patients. This is something we do in the office. We're communicating mm -hmm. with patients as much as we possibly can by doing even handwritten letters. At the, at the night after the treatment, we're calling every patient and we're saying, hey, it's so-and-so from 
Dr. Circa's office. I'm reaching out to you to see how you're doing from your fillings this morning. Has the numbness worn off? Do you have any concerns? Right. So we do that with anyone that gets anesthesia. We do that at the end of every night. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, and I feel like I've heard of that in a lot of like the very upscale practices. So when you first started out, um, how did you, when, when you first, did, did you buy your practice or you did a startup? I started from scratch. Okay. So then, did you go right into fee for service or did you take on, how did you deal with insurances? Um, right in the beginning, I just took money from my savings and I started a website. Mm -hmm. And back then, believe it or not, 20 years ago, most dentists didn't have websites. I don't know how they functioned, but most dentists did not have websites. And in some states, I'm not sure if you know this, it's illegal to advertise. Right. So, um, so that was something that I ran into when I first started out and I bought a lot of URLs that I wanted to make sure in the future I wouldn't have competition with me. Mm -hmm. So as an example, our main website is Philadelphia. Um, Phil, we have philadelphiadentist.com as one website, but our main one is phillydentistry.com. Oh yeah, there you go. I own another 15 websites that are like my Philadelphia dentist, you know, best mm -hmm. Philadelphia dentist. So I've heard <laughs> all of those, even though we're not using them, that's kept us at number one slot on the natural rankings of Google for many years. Right. Nice. That is smart. So yeah. smart. Is. I wonder if we could even do that anymore, like a uh, chance. <laughs> you, know? you can sometimes yeah. if you're using like GoDaddy and you keep a track on other um, dental practices that, that they don't renew, you know, their um, URLs and you can actually purchase. Um, oh, and then you can just go scoop it up from them, right? You certainly can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Cutthroat. <laughs> so another thing uh, you also touched on, you actually touched on a little bit earlier, um, staff meetings. So you mentioned, you know, kind of like in your morning huddle, but then you also talked about, you know, having a meeting after the day. Um, have you seen, a, you know, pros and cons for one side or the other? Or do you feel that one is better than the other? Um, the morning huddle you have to have, you know, and in our practice, what we're doing is we have a very set specific way of doing the morning huddle. So we start with, hey guys, let's, good morning. We say good morning and every staff member says good morning back. So it's like good morning, good morning. There's communication already starting. Mm -hmm. Remember, you're only as alive as your communication. Right. You're getting communication back from staff and you're looking, if that person's like sleeping over there, that person's doing that, then you're not in communication with them. So you right. get everyone's attention and you start the day. And what we do is we go over what mistakes did we make the night before and how do we fix them? So if someone brings up a problem in the office, they have to also present the solution. So oh, yes, that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Then you have no one in the office complaining about anything at any point because they're bringing up the problem, they're presenting the solution. The second thing we go over is the number of collections, like the dollar amount of collections, dollar amount of production, number of new patients, and then we go over number of positive reviews and we go over number of video testimonials that were done the day before because it's all about social media it's all about marketing it's all about being in communication with your patients mm -hmm. so yeah. that that's awesome i love the good morning thing to like you said to get everybody start communicating um one of the uh techniques for case acceptance i was telling these guys is you just got to get your patient when you're presenting a case to a patient you just got to make start out by making the patient say yes to something just to say anything right have you ever heard of that where you get them to start saying yes and then 
just well there, there are many techniques um what i don't use is the word but you know mm -hmm. you, you know and and you don't want to do something where you're making the patient wrong mm -hmm. going back to what i spoke to you guys before you know last week we talked about you know when you have a patient you want to make them feel heard and you want to make sure that you're never invalidating someone's opinion and so if if a patient says to you you know doctor i i really don't want to get that crown on that tooth and you make them wrong for that you know you say to them your tooth is going to explode and you you got to get this done and and you do it in a very um very judgmental way instead of asking them why don't you want to get the tooth done mm -hmm. or you jump to the conclusion they don't want to get it done because of finances and you go down that pathway and that's not even their objection right. so mm -hmm. you're exactly right get them to say yes to something mm -hmm. and i just want to touch on one more thing you said um getting the positive reviews from patients and you said video testimonials also so what are kind of like the systems that you use for that do you have um, like a business card that you give to the patient, like with your Google information, that sort of thing? We have someone that's in the office um, who is a public relations person that has the camera powered up at all times. That's- Oh, the there you go. <laughs> the second yes. thing is in the morning huddle when we're getting together, we're identifying which patients we're going to ask for a video testimonial that day. And those patients could be just very, you know, their vibe is good, they're very, like we call high tone, they're very energetic patients. They're people that we've done good work for. They're patients that we're delivering a set of veneers on that day, or they're finishing their Invisalign and they're very happy. So we'll identify them. Mm -hmm. So once we put those veneers in their, in their mouth and they're smiling and they're really happy, we'll say, hey, would you mind while you're here today, taking a few minutes and talking about your experience with us? And the patient says, no, I'll do it right now. Are you ready? And we're like, okay, calm down, calm down. Wait till we're finished and then someone will meet with you and go, go over that. But yeah, you just ask for them. And same thing that the way we get 137 new patients on average is we ask patients once they originate something to you, like, hey, I had a really good visit today. Great. I'm so glad. There are so many people that come in like you that are afraid of the dentist. I'm glad you got over your fears. Is there anyone that you know that hasn't seen a dentist in a while? Yeah, my best friend. Well, here's a card. Give her that card and she can come in and we'll take care of her. So it's it's not a sales technique. It's not, you know, anything dirty. It's just asking yeah. them, do you have someone we can help out? Right. And if you as the dentist are always focused on doing the right thing and getting the patient healthy, the office will grow. And that's the whole thing. Don't start out your career doing anything like cutting corners. You know, you expose the pulp, what do you do? You set the patient back up, you take off your mask face to face and say, listen, I was just cleaning out your tooth. And I know that I went into the nerve of the tooth because I see this little, I say little puff of blood coming inside the tooth. It's not hurting, right? No, you know, you get that agreement. Mm -hmm. Okay, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna lean you back and I'm gonna spend another 10, 15 minutes to clean that out. And it's gonna feel a little bit different than um, what we were just doing. And once I'm done, I'm gonna set you back up and we're gonna talk about that a little more. Very transparent. You set the patient back, you do the pulpotomy or pulpectomy, whatever you can get done in that visit. And then you set the patient back up and you talk about the plan. 
So you never want to go and put the filling on top of an exposed pulp because then they're going to leave and they're going to be swollen and in pain and all that stuff. And then you, the next time you see a similar x-ray with a similar depth of cavity, you're going to have to back off and you're going to be afraid to go in because you're going to expose the nerve. So just be very upfront from day one of becoming a dentist and then you won't live in fear of whatever might happen because everything's happened to every dentist, you know, we've all been there. Yeah, you know? that's, that's excellent advice. That's really, it really is. Yeah. Right. And then you, you actually literally just talked about, it. it's the next one on the list that we have, you talked about cutting corners. So when you mentioned about, you know, when you're price shopping, you're budgeting, don't pinch pennies when you're looking for supplies, products, all the quality materials that you need. Exactly right. Your time is your biggest asset. And we mentioned that previously, which is if you can work extra hours and do extra dentistry, do that. Don't sit at your desk and waste two hours looking for napkins that are, you know, patient bibs, which we call napkins that are saving you five bucks. But there are dentists that will go out and they will buy product from one supply company and another supply company and another supply company. And they're spending hours a week ordering dental supplies. Just pick one, even if they're five or 10% more than other um, companies out there, um, you'll find that you'll be way more productive in your dental office using the products that you are comfortable with, that you like, that are reasonably priced, that might not be the cheapest. Gotcha. Right. And then another big one, um, it's a great, just like you were touching on before, time saver. So hire and delegate, you know, let the dentist do the dentist job. So I have to give credit to Gordon Christensen for this because he does have a video that's excellent, which is how do you train and have your, your auxiliaries, your dental assistants, um, your hygienist, your front desk staff do as much as they possibly can with their license. And what we've done in Pennsylvania, I'm not sure how it is in Florida, but we have expanded function dental assistants. So all the dental assistants in my office are able to place fillings, um, make the temporary crown, things like that. So you wanna make sure you're only allowing them to do what the state allows them to do. But there's a lot of um, training you have to do with your dental assistants to get them to do whatever they possibly can in the office. But that is key. If there's um, anything in the office that they can do, they should be doing mm -hmm. to free up your time. How about uh, for temps? For temporary crowns, do you have your yeah, the assistants do that as well? Yes, they they're allowed to do the the uh, temporaries. Right, because we we've had like this argument with a dentist before, and he's like, well, you know, I, if I'm going to do the crown, I'm going to make the temp because I'm going to make it perfect, and and yeah, I, I kind of had the same philosophy that you do about only do what your license requires and delegate everything else out. So. Yes, because you can have dentists and other people, especially you know, you guys coming out of school you have this heightened awareness about perfection. You know, you've been beat down, you've been told you're doing wrong, you prepped that class too wrong. You, you know, right, right. You get, <laughs> that's so true. You get, you get this thing in your head like, <laughs> oh my God, like this has to be perfect, you know? I, I mean, if I told you I, I prep a crown in four minutes, you'd look at me like, there's no possible way someone can prep a crown in four minutes, but sure enough, it takes me four minutes to prep a crown and that's a whole other discussion, right. but, you, you can do it in a way that's technically perfect in that amount of time. But when you go through dental school, and you, I don't know if you're given three hours, we used to be given three hours for mm -hmm. a visit. Yep, three hours. Oh my God, I'm 
<laughs> when later on you will learn in private practice i can prep like three through 14 crowns in an hour and 10 minutes so you you look at that like how how can you possibly do that and there's very simple things that i think that you don't learn in dental school that you could learn and do everything more quickly but say for example hypothetically in a dental school you see a patient you prep the crown and you're done in an hour then what are you going to do for the next two hours? And, and you, you know, you guys do like a preliminary impression, final impression. Mm -hmm. My gosh, like <laughs> if you do that in private practice, like you would never survive, you know? And in private practice, you have to look at how much you have to produce per hour. And my practice, for example, each practitioner has to produce 500 bucks an hour. So we know that you can take a certain amount of time to, um, to do things, but the quicker you are and the more accurate you are, the more profitable you will be long-term. Right, right. So touching on staff, so another thing that I liked how you handled, so you talked about staff disagreements, you know, whether it's assistants, you know, the actual dentists themselves, you know, how do you handle those disagreements? You have to realize that disagreements are only, I'm looking at the same scenario one way and someone else is looking at the same scenario a different way. And whenever there's something happening and there's a disagreement, it's, I, I'm very curious. I want to know why the person thinks the way that they think. So if something comes up and we see that the, um, there, there's low production in the office, and I'll address that. Low production means all of a sudden that provider that was producing a decent amount all of a sudden has dropped down. And their dollar amount of production has dropped that's an indicator that there's some disagreement going on in the office. So that's a key point to remember. Low production means disagreement. So you meet with a provider and you say, hey, I've noticed you, if you say, hey, I noticed your production went down, this is, this is what a lot of dentists do. I, I see your production went down, the number of crowns that you've done has gone down, the number of fillings you've gone down, so you need to increase your production. You need to increase your number of um, fillings, you need to increase your um, crowns. And the associate dentist says, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, and then leaves and then feels unappreciated or whatever the disagreement they have is still there. The proper way of addressing that is going to the low producing provider and saying, hey, how are you doing? Like, what's going on? Oh, I'm good. What's going on? Yeah. Um, how's everything? How do you like everything here? And you just ask in many different ways. Like, how's everything going? Fine, doc. Um, is there anything you would like to change in the office? No, no, everything's fine. If you were the owner of the practice, tell me what you would change. And then all of a sudden you get into communication with the associate dentist and says, you know what? I don't have enough time to do these fillings. And I feel like every time I'm doing fillings, um, I don't do a good job because of that. Okay, gotcha. So do you need more time for that? Yes. And so when you're running into a problem where you think there's an actual disagreement, you have to look at the production to see if production's going down, then there's a disagreement exists and you really have to get into communication with them. So with staff members, we have an agreement in the office. There's no bad mouthing anyone in the office. So if you have a dental assistant and they're talking about the other dental assistant and someone overhears it, she takes them right to that person that she's talking badly about and says, hey, she has something to say to you. <laughs> it's all on the open. It's all on the open, you know, and it's not hidden. 
you know? And we all upset each other, you know? Um, even my staff will say to me sometimes like, hey, do you have a minute I can talk to you? Sure. And if we're going into the one consult room, I know I did something wrong, you know? But you have to have that communication that you can say to the staff member. I mean, the staff member can reach out to the dentist and say, hey, I need to talk to you about something. You right. know? And, and agree and um, disagreements that I've run into over the years is something like we've issued a, um, a staff member a raise and it wasn't on their paycheck. And then they sit there and I thought it went through with the, um, the company, you know, the payroll company, but it never reflected on their paycheck and they're mad about it. And you're sitting there and they're looking every day at their paycheck and then the next paycheck comes and it's still not on there. And then they're mad at the owner until they pull you aside and say, Hey, here's my disagreement. And then you look at it and say, Oh, I understand you should have been paid. So fairly I'll pay you for back pay as well. So you never know unless you create an environment that, that fosters open communication all the time. Got you. That, yeah, those are two great examples. I actually gave a few examples there. So one of them um, you were saying when there's like a, a true disagreement about not having enough time for a procedure for a filling, you said? Yes. Um, when the, the team member's suggestion does not uh, kind of go along with what your policies are, what do you do then? You know, like what if like you just don't have enough time in your schedule? To, well, to well keep in mind that that's, that's the um, dentist's truth. That's his reality. That's his truth. And that's why he's saying, I don't have enough time. As an owner, you have to do an investigation. So the investigation that you do, you don't disagree with the person. You say, okay, so how much time do you think you need? You, you, you go that route. And then you have to do an investigation. Like, let me go back to the earliest time that that patient comes into the office to see, are they coming in on time and they're sitting in the waiting room and they're not getting brought back by the assistant in a timely manner? Is the dental assistant talking too much to the patient and that's cutting down the treatment time for the dentist? Is the dentist talking too much to the patient? Is the dentist having an issue getting the patient numb and now it's taking him too long to drill? Is the uh, assistant requiring the dentist to reuse the burrs so many times that they're dull and the dentist can't cut the tooth? There's so many different variables. Yeah, I did a, a three-day um, three seminar in the summer of last year and there was 112 dentists there and um, then their office managers. So it was like 200 people. and. It was just incredible because, you know, my thing is you can learn as much as you want to learn, but you really have to implement everything that you're learning all the time. And that's the thing I think a lot of people will amass all this, you know, all this energy and all this education, and yet you don't put it to use, you know, and it's unfortunate. And so hopefully, you know, there's a few pieces here that you pick up and you look back and say, yeah, I'm going to um, implement that later. So, yeah, but I can help. Right. And then uh, one of my favorite things that you said, and it was, you had a blanket statement. And just like we, we were saying before, you had these awesome sayings and you had two that I wrote down. So your kind of topic was be present. And the two great things that you said were, the first one was trust is built when the world stops for the person in front of you. I love that. And then the second was do what you were doing while you were doing it. It seems so simple, but can you elaborate a little bit on that? Sure. Um, the, the whole thing is when you're with someone, 
And here's where I think the downfall of a lot of relationships are, is I'm sitting here talking to you one-on-one. -on -one. We'll say um, we're at dinner and we're talking and all of a sudden, you know, I have this trusty little phone here. So all of a sudden you're telling me like, hey, how was your day? I was like, oh, my day was good. How was your day? And you're like, oh, you know, my mom called and I looked down like this and I'm looking at my phone for a quick second and I put it away, you know? That cycle of communication we were just having is shattered. It's gone, it's broken, what have you. So if you're sitting there talking to a patient and the patient is saying to you, look, you know, I've been having pain in this tooth for the last two weeks, like, oh, it's been really bothering me. And you do something as simple as this, like your dental assistant's here and you look over at your dental assistant, you've just broken that, that trust, that communication and everything. Even if the dental assistant's like dropping something on the floor, you just ignore them. And that's about being in present time. Your communication cycle and your focus needs to be so deep with that person that no matter what happens, you don't get distracted by it. And that's key because as soon as you're distracted by it, that person starts to think that whatever is more important than what they just told you. So staying in communication at all times with the patient and really listening to them and the key with communication is to get the other person to originate. We all talk way too much, <laughs> way too much. With patients, what you have to learn to do is with the patient is saying, tell me about your dental problem. And sit there and let them talk and talk. And then when they're done talking, say thank you, acknowledge them for that. Thank you for telling me that. Can I ask you a few more questions? Yes, so you get their permission, you ask them more questions and let them talk. But what we dentists do is, in the back of your head, like, I've seen this 100 times before, I know exactly what you need, and you say, okay, so what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna make this crown, I'm gonna put this crown on your tooth. And the patient's like, what, what, what? Instead of saying, yes, I understand you have a broken tooth, it must be bothering you. If you didn't fix it, how would it affect you? Right. And then they start saying on an emotional level, if I don't fix it, it's gonna hurt at night, I can't eat. You know, now I can't take care of my newborn because my tooth is bothering me. Those are things you wouldn't know because the patient's not gonna originate that unless you ask follow-up questions. Right, and, so then that, it, yeah. and then it ties into what you were talking about just now about you know being present in that moment and being staying engaged with that individual. So then you also touched on it was, right is a great segue and it's a great segue here is keep interruptions from staff um, from anybody else in the office while you're dealing with that patient to a minimum yes so that also ties in one-on-one -on -one with that do what you're doing while you're doing it which means if you're sitting there to prep the crown or to prep fillings in the patient's mouth i'm very clear to the patient just to let you know i'm going to start working now Here's what I tell the patient, just to let you know, I'm gonna start working now. I'm gonna take great care of you. That's the next line I always say to every patient, I'm gonna take great care of you. At any time, if you need a break, make a noise and I will set you up and you can rinse and I will take everything out of your mouth. So that's our agreement. And then as soon as I get some sort of acknowledgement, at that point, I tell the patient, you're not gonna really hear anything except us working. Because for me, I've switched from the communicator, now I'm the busy worker drilling the tooth. 
Why can I do it in four minutes? It's because I'm focused on drilling the tooth in four minutes. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing else going on in the world. I'm not thinking about my hygiene checks. I'm not thinking about my dog at home. <laughs> I'm not thinking about who might call me for dinner. That's it. When I'm there drilling that tooth for four minutes, I'm done. So what do I tell the patient? I say to them, for the next seven minutes, because what I, always, I always say the same thing to them. For the next seven minutes, there's gonna be a lot of drilling on your tooth and the water's going everywhere. We're gonna do our best job possible to suck that water out of your mouth, but it's gonna be seven minutes of being uncomfortable. And the patient's like, okay. We get in there, we're working, working, we're tracking the cheek, the tongue, all that stuff. We're done in four minutes. We set the patient back up. Okay, rinse, I'm done. Wow, that was fast. That didn't seem like seven minutes. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. Better. And then they're all of a sudden, the persona changes because they went from fear and now they're relaxed and now their personality just opens, you know? Right, right. And then I, in, in our office, I go and I make the impression, put the impression in. And then as the impression's going in, I tell the patient, bite down, stay as still as you can, and you'll get a good crown. That's what I say, stay as still as you can, and you'll get a good crown. And then the patient's there and they're like, mm-hmm. And I said, okay, so what's gonna happen now is that's gonna stay in your mouth three and a half minutes, the dental assistant's gonna take it out. And I say it very slowly so they understand. Mm -hmm. um, the dental assistant's going to take that out, I'm gonna check it, she'll make a temporary crown, and then I'll check it before you leave. Right. Okay. So I got two questions for you about that. So you say you say the same thing every time. And I think that that's excellent, you know, just so that you're always on it. Right. And so do you have like a script that you write for your associates? Like, do you have some sort of onboarding? No, I think the scripts are not good. That's okay. my personal thing because my personality is different than yours. Right. But you know, one thing that I will tell you that um, worked really well for me when I was very sick at one point, um, the doctor came into the hospital room and she sat down on the edge of the bed and she said flat out the very first thing she she said that I've always used is I'm going to take great care of you. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. And I heard that it like alleviates every issue that you've had. And I'm telling you, that's like a key thing to say to patients. And you have to have a demeanor that looks calm and confident. You can't be like, I'm going to take great care of you. And like, <laughs> you can't find yeah. what you're doing. It, it sets them off. So you have to move slowly with patients. The more in fear they're in, the more slowly you have to move. It's just right. a fact of life. Okay, that, that's fantastic. So the second question I had is, um, do you use any, or do you have any like favorite analogies that you use to explain certain procedures? Good question, yeah. Um, when I first started with this one consulting group years ago, um, just to go back, back you know, 20 years, when my office first started out for that first year, it was a big, big struggle. And when I say that, I kept my full-time job, like I had mentioned, and then after work, I went to my practice and I worked there three hours every night. And after one year of being in practice, I was just like breaking even, but it was very difficult. There was a group that I went down to in Florida that does consulting services. They help you to organize your office. And I went down there and one um, vice president of the company said to me, Ken, I want you to go back to your office and I wanted, want you to implement two things. And these are the two secrets that triple my practice 
in less than six weeks. I'm in, we're in suspense right now. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see things that he said. He said, when you see a patient and you say to them, okay, you need to have three fillings done. And I said, yeah. And he said, and what does the patient say to you? And I'm like, oh, they usually say, I'm going to think about it. And he's like, right. And what do you say back? And I'm like, well, what can I say? I guess you just tell the person to call us when you're, re when you're ready. And that's what I always did. And he said, okay, I want you to do something differently this time. And I said, yeah. And he said, I want you to say this. Okay, so let's start again. I said, okay. So you, you need three fillings and the patient says, um, you know, I'm going to think about it. Okay, I got it. Like, thank you for letting me know you want to think about it. If you don't do something with these three fillings that are in your tooth, they're going to get larger and they could even break the tooth. Were you aware of that? And now you're opening the conversation. No, I wasn't aware that that could happen. Yeah, so that's the reason you should get three fillings in your tooth. And then the patient will say, no, I want to really think about it. Okay, I get it. What is there that you want to think about? Oh, I don't know. I want to go home and think about it. So what you do again is you repeat it a third time and say, just to make sure you got this, you have these holes in your teeth, and that's what we call cavities. And every time you eat something, the bacteria in the cavity is eating it as well, and it's getting bigger and bigger because it's producing acid. And if you wait too long, you're gonna end up needing root canal. Have you heard of root canal? Yes, oh my God, well, I don't want that. Let me get the fillings done. So the first thing is talking to the patient three times about the same thing, but in different ways. Okay. That's number one. The second is the analogy that you asked about. Like, what analogy do you have? You know, the one thing that we talk about is doing crowns on the tooth. So we talk to the patient about putting a crown on the tooth, and here's how I explain that. So we'll pretend like this is your tooth, and you can see you have a crack in your tooth. You know, we talked about you have an old filling and it's cracked your tooth. So every time you're biting down on that tooth, that crack is going deeper. And as you're chewing and biting on that tooth, at some point when you bite on that tooth, the tooth is going to shatter. So when you're biting, at some point it's going to shatter, you're gonna lose your tooth. So what we have is your tooth once again, and you have something called a crown, and a crown covers the tooth, and the crown holds the tooth together, so when you're biting on the tooth, it doesn't shatter the tooth. Gotcha. Believe it or not, those are the only two things that I changed and our practice tripled in a six week period. Wow. As crazy as that sounds. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy because we first started out, we were collecting like 27,000 per month and we tripled, I'm sorry, 17,000 a month is what we were collecting. And then we were, the next month we actually collected 52,000. So we tripled in that six week period from just learning that technique and actually implementing it. Mm -hmm. So repeating it three times to the patient is key. And then the second is using that simple, here's your tooth, as you bite, it can shatter. So we have a crown, we put it on top and it holds it together. Right, and for those of you listening, uh, Dr. Circus using his hand and basically giving uh, a visual for the patient. So that's awesome. And you know what, uh, we're, right now I'm putting together a document, which is kind of like uh, all the analogies and protocols just to help like all the students, because we're, we're about to go into clinic, right? Yeah, and we're going to have that in there. That's going to be called the Circa Method. So there you go. <laughs> we love that. 
<laughs> no, and the last thing you touched on it, and I think it's key. It was the last thing you kind of concluded on when your 10 little secrets and it was get help. It's a big thing that not a lot of people like to do, regardless of what their profession is, get help. So one of the things, and you just mentioned it, you know, like a consulting firm. So what could you recommend for some tips yeah. for getting help? Yeah, it's interesting because I think during this time, there's a lot of uncertainty, definitely a lot of uncertainty and, and help could mean a lot of things, you know. Um, for us on a professional level, it is finding your weaknesses and finding those people that can help you with those weaknesses. And how do you identify your weaknesses? You find them by the areas that you're least likely to jump into. So the ones that you're most fearful of. You know, if you mentioned to, you know, recent grads, like what, what procedure do you not want to do? Oh, I would never want to extract third molars that's where they should go and get as much you know, clinical help as they possibly can. But more from, a, um, more from the perspective of um, how to run your practice, you know, for me, is I really didn't know how to handle insurances and how to market and how to deal with staff members. And there are many different schools of thought. There's you know, LVI, Las Vegas Institute, there's Spear, there's, um, Panky, there's a lot of different groups um, that are all over the country that are very good. And I've done most all of them at one point or another, um, but you, get, you don't have to spend an incredible amount of money to get educated. And that's why I think a lot of people don't um, get the education that they need from a business standpoint. But the best books to read are not clinical books, in my opinion. It's business books. You know, it's finance books. It's really to understand the business world because you guys aren't exposed that much to it. Mm -hmm. So now I got to ask you. So oh <laughs> what, uh, what are some resources that you really like where you get some knowledge for about business and finance? And then also, hey, throw in real estate in there too. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, real estate, you know, I wouldn't buy real estate unless it's 20% undervalued. So mm -hmm. what I mean by that is, you know, if something's going to go for $200,000 a home in your area, I wouldn't spend more than 80% of that value, 160000 right. because closing costs and stuff like that. So that's a key role as far as investing in real estate is buy always 20% undervalued. So if you see something and you put an offer in and you put it 20% under what you think you could actually sell it for and the seller doesn't accept it, then so be it. You're not emotionally attached to it. That mm -hmm. would be one thing. Um, there's many, many books out there. Um, I, I don't know if it's actually called Money. The book is called Money. I'm, I don't know why it's on my head that that was one of the books that I read a long, long time ago. Um, Millionaire Mindset, it was written many years ago. Um, that's good. There's Dale Carnegie books that I've read um, that are excellent as well. There's so many out there that are the basic books that were written even in the 60s and 70s before we were born. It's like there's a lot of books out there that are really good with just basic communication skills. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I think is happening um, more and more is our world is shrinking. And what I mean by that is, especially dentists, your world is the size of a mouth. You know, you're working on that mouth and that's all that you're in. You're focused on that. And then you leave and then you've got, you know, your good old phone and you leave and your world involves around your phone. 
And what we have to do is try to switch that thinking to more of a global, um, global view or as I call it, circle of influence. Your circle of influence is the number of people that you're affecting that aren't in your neighborhood or in your area. Like how can you reach people across the seas? How can you re reach people across the country? Because again, you're only as alive as your communication. So you have to try in this world to be as alive as you can and disseminate as much knowledge as you can to the highest number of people quickly. So for someone getting out of school, business is what I would focus on and communication. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. So nice. speaking of someone getting out of school, just kind of some final thoughts. Um, you know, we, we've got a lot of students that are about to graduate. It's uh, April now, we're about to get into May. And a lot of students are very concerned. You know, they're not gonna have jobs or like we spoke about earlier, are they just gonna be assisting or, you know, but not have like a temporary license, who knows, according to the state. So what is uh, some advice that you would give to students about to graduate? I would advise students that there are opportunities out there. It's reaching out to dentists and you have to maybe be creative. So that, that means dropping off your resume. That means following up a few days later to see if they've received your resume, following up a week later to see if they had any questions about your resume, following up two weeks after that and saying, hey, I haven't heard from you. Those are the people that I've hired in the past that really show some sort of interest in your practice that are go-getters. What you don't wanna have is someone that's dropping off a resume and they never follow up and you toss it. Mm -hmm. Because that's actually what happens a lot of the time, I think, you know, I mentioned I was hiring someone yesterday and one day I got 77 resumes. Right. So, you know, and, and it's sort of interesting because I'll tell you another thing that happened is this morning I sent out invitations to do a Zoom interview tomorrow with these seven people. And the six of the seven immediately responded to me and one didn't. And just now he wrote back and he said, hey, after I looked over the qualifications, and what the job entails, um, it's not a right, the right fit for me. But what's interesting, I already knew because I sent something out this morning to seven people, and within an hour, six of the seven responded, but it took him six hours to have the courage to tell me he's not interested in the position. But what's interesting too is you need someone that's out there that's bold, that's willing to follow up, that's willing to follow through. So that's the first thing that I would say. The second thing for new grads, again, it's not in your skill set because we seasoned dentists are assuming that you don't have great skills. It's a fact of life. But you want to have someone that you're, that's able to be taught. And so you have to be willing to be willing to learn as a new grad and not thinking as you're graduating, you know everything. But I would say avoid the negative websites or negative blogs or negative Facebook groups that are just pretending like this is a non-viable um, profession to be in. I think it's the best opportunity right now is to get into dentistry is right now. As crazy as that might sound, because keep in mind, there's been two months of patients in a backlog. So those patients are waiting to be treated 
It's just, we need hands to help us treat those patients. And new dentists, I think, can have a great opportunity getting jobs now. That's my perception. Mm -hmm. Secondly is, there are some hygienists that I, met, I mentioned briefly before that don't wanna come back to work for whatever reason, new grads can come in and offer to do hygiene for a seasoned doctor. And maybe when you're doing your hygiene services, you're not getting paid your doctor rate, but it's a way to get into the practice and start paying off your student loans, getting experience during downtime, to learn the flow of the practice and to meet the other staff members and learn the dynamic that you have to have to work with other people. There's a lot of opportunity out there. Just stick with positive people and get away from negative people. Right, that, and there you go again. Like that, that's just a positive response and that's a great positive way to frame the whole situation. I, I honestly would love to see just the energy and like the aura in your office and how all the team members communicate. Just by hearing you speak and you're you know, the head honcho, I would love to see how they all communicate with each other. Well, what's interesting is you teach someone and you let them make their own decisions. And that's one thing that I've really learned that if you have staff and you empower them to make their own decisions and run with it, they will be great. And just like I, I was saying before, you try to get your patients to originate and to talk to you. Patients are a one, one, one thing, but your staff are a whole other thing that you're dealing with, which is you need to get staff that are responsible, that are taking, um, taking control of projects that they're doing in the office and encourage them. So if they ever have an idea and it might be something you totally disagree with in the office, you let them do it. You just say, okay, yeah, that's a great idea. Try it, see how it works out. That's it. And that's what I've learned over the years is just let staff be bold enough to implement whatever they want. And as a result of that, they end up owning the practice because it's something that they've created. Right. I have another saying too that, you know, if staff members are not doing their job, that's the only time that orders need to be issued. So I shouldn't go into the office and order issues like clean the floor, do this, order this, do that. Because staff members should be empowered themselves to already be doing those things. So they shouldn't be told what to do. You have to create that environment that allows the staff to make decisions and do things on their own. Right. And it's like, yeah, it's got to come like it's intrinsic, you know, and that's, that's like one of the best motivators. Yep. So Dr. Circuit, this has been an awesome, awesome interview. Uh, what's, what's next for you? Where can people reach out to you? Do you have any uh, more seminars coming up that you're doing? Well, good question. Um, I'm actually writing a book right now. Woo! All right. <laughs> it's, on, it's on practice management. I don't have a title for it yet. However, I'm planning on releasing it September 1st of 2020. So that's my target date. Um, that's another thing I've been doing during this downtime. You know, we got six weeks. What else can we do? Write a book. Why not? <laughs> there you go. We'll buy the hardcover. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, um, you can connect with me uh, um, either on Facebook, Ken Circa, C-I-R-K-A, or phillydentistry.com. You can check us out on there as well. Awesome. Love awesome. it. Dr. Circa, you're the man. Appreciate it so much. Thanks, guys. What is up, Vibe Tribe? It's your boy, Matt Havis, again. Hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Dr. Ken Circa. This was part two. Like I said, killer interview. He went through everything you need to know to be successful in owning your own practice and creating good practice culture. So, as always, leave us a review on your podcast service. 
Make sure you follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibe. And make sure, no matter what, you give us any comments, questions, concerns. If you guys have any suggestions for the next you know, superstar to put on the podcast, you let us know and we'll make that happen. So until next time, vibe on. Attention pre-dental students. Over 12,000 applicants each year apply to dental school. Out of 67 accredited schools in the United States, an average of only 90 students per class earn the privilege of acceptance. As former applicants who struggle through the rigorous ADSAS process ourselves, we understand the hard work it takes to be one of the lucky few to get accepted. That being said, we are happy to announce that we are now offering Pre-Dental Mentor, a program designed to give back to the dental community and give you the best chance in getting accepted to the dental school of your dreams. Our brand new Pre-Dental Mentor program includes a team of five coaches who have all been a part of the AdSAS application within the past three years. Pre-Dental Mentor offers essay reviews, mock interviews, resume editing, secondary application editing, DAT prep, a personalized schools list, and an application checklist. To pre-order, slide into our DMs and get 30% off before June 1st. Contact us at dental.student.vibes on Instagram or email us at dentalstudentvibes at gmail.com. We only have 25 spots, so sign up before it's too late. We sincerely thank you for your support over the past year and are extremely happy to have the opportunity to give back. We were just in your shoes not too long ago.